I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Breaker, breaker, this is Dr. J, your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, uh, calling out to uh, whoever may be on the road. Coming at you from the 405, this is Penicillin, northward bound. Penicillin on the 405 north. Breaker, breaker, come on in, your pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. Uh, Penicillin, <laughs> this is Papa Pill. Papa Pill is... <laughs> is out looking for a special episode dedicated to a throwaway joke we made two episodes ago, (laughs) uh, queuing up the unnecessarily long theme music now. (laughs) In a world of endless highways where the rubber meets the road, Mm. there's a legend, a hero, trucker doc the stories told he's a physician with a purpose a healer with a heart with his stethoscope and his medicine bag he's ready to depart so yeah uh (laughs) we both got a little obsessed yeah. With with a joke that we made, I'm sure most of you don't even remember. That's too bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We it started out just as you know, trucker doc, and we we were talking about oh my gosh, you know, a mashup of a trucker and a doc, and we were trying to figure out if it was a doctor who was also a trucker or if it was a special doctor just for truckers. And thus was born Trucker Doc. And I don't think we ever, we never landed on, you know, the the genesis of what Trucker Doc was until very recently. Yeah, we, and as with most things in this show or it's behind the scenes, we simply could not get it out of our system. And so I just casually began entering Google searches for Trucker Doc, wondering if anyone else was was stuck in this same mental pit that I was. So after he scrolled past the first three Google pages, which were basically just all deviant art links, um, he finally landed <laughs> on some information about medical t- care of truckers, Josh. It's it's its own thing. Like, it's not like a specialty specialty. You can't go yeah. to med school for this. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can. You, you're still going to be a doctor. But... <laughs> who, I figured we'd just have fun this week and dedicate a brief episode to trucker medicine. 
Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just like you said, you know, you can be a doctor and then, you know, help out truckers, but there's no extra certification for it, number one. And number two, over here, we're, Dr. Josh and I are here in the United States. Long haul truckers and these big rigs are actually the lifeblood of commerce and everything else here in the United States. So here's to the truckers. All right. And the docs who take care of them. <laughs> and if there is a doc out there traveling the roads, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. If there is a doc out there who tends their wounds and ailments with a yeah. smile on his face, <laughs> from minor aches to broken hearts, who heals with love and grace, in the solitude of night when the highway's dark and still, trucker doc the guiding light provides comfort and goodwill okay so let's let's address the cat in the bag first of all uh, mm. there are many medications that the federal motor carrier safety administration considers potentially if not automatically disqualifying and if we're going to be talking about trucker med we are going to have to talk a little bit about narcotic abuse or oh. prescription drug abuse Sure. I, I, yeah, I, a little heartbreaking, but yeah, they were one of the biggest kind of groups of victims of the opiate crisis here in the United States and, and pain. Oh, it's not even just opiates, like a systematic review of the literature and meta-analysis was performed to provide OSHA and policy, so the Occupational Health Safety Administration and policymakers with just an epidemiological perspective. Oh, and the results and the results showed an overall a prevalence of overall drug consumption of about 27.6%, mm -hmm. which is particularly high considering that illicit CNS stimulants like amphetamine uh, are the most commonly abused drugs at around 21%, along with oh. cocaine, which is going down around two, and then narcotics. So this is oh, not this is not meant to to put down truckers. This is simply these are the facts of the road that there are a lot because long haul trucking is difficult. It's you want to stay awake, you don't want to be falling asleep. And I learned that apparently there are truckers who will dip toothpicks into liquid formulations of these stimulants and then just kind of gnaw on the toothpick while they drive. Of course, we Whoa. do not endorse this. I was just yeah. wildly impressed at this creativity. I'm like, wow, I did not know that was a thing you could do. <laughs> oh, I mean, it does make sense because, okay, imagine any of you folks out there who are at an office job, right? Having to sit in a cramped, maybe cubicle or something like that, maintaining posture and staring at a screen. It's the same kind of thing. Thankfully, they don't have to stare at a screen all day, but you are in the same posture. You're kind of locked in, sitting down, um, which means, you know, you can get atrophy of your core muscles, your back, your abdomen, and eventually you're going to start then getting these aches and pains that come from just sitting in the same posture constantly not getting exercise probably poor diet too josh and weight law weight gain and all this kind of a thing so yeah i i don't begrudge them anything they have to fight boredom and stay awake so stimulants and then they have to try to get around as much pain as possible because to them if anything sidelines them <laughs> oh my gosh that's money out of the bank not to mention one of the other things I don't know that I considered in depth is animal infections in truckers. And and before you kind of start thinking, oh, well, you know, the ones who take dogs or cats, and if you're taking a cat on a long haul trucking, just wow. But the USDA has somewhat recently changed its 28-hour rule for livestock transport to mm -hmm. now apply to trucks and trains which poultry, on the other hand, is exempt from this rule. What? A truck uh, cannot transport poultry for more than 28 hours, at which point they must be loaded and given food, water, and at least five hours of rest. And if you okay. are with a whole bunch of, say, chickens that are cooped up in the back of a truck, 
for 28 sure. hours and one of them gets sick and you are transporting, you are in fact at risk for, well, picking up uh, infections from these animals. So it, you can create oh. vectors from crowding. There was a really interesting article okay. that I will put in the show notes called The Long Haul risks associated with livestock transport i learned oh wow okay okay so much <laughs> now i i'm going back through you know in my mind all of the things that can be carried especially the ones that are airborne so chickens actually do carry and josh we did do i guess an 80 plagues on this at one point but psittacosis right so chlamydia psittaci which uh psi uh, I forgot what I had to spell the damn thing, but named after parrots, right? Parrot fever, but all birds can get it. You can pass it on to a human being. They'll get a bad cough and a pneumonia and can even get horrible things like endocarditis. And then I'm sure, you know, we do vaccinate our cattle and livestock and stuff, but brucella and, you know, all these E. coli's and stuff in the stool and, you know, in the manure and stuff, you got to be really careful to, you know, keep the area clean and, you know, all the animals well-fed and healthy. They, they can't be dying back there and incubating illnesses. I couldn't find a lot of studies on how commonly this occurs, but long-distance live animal transport has been blamed for the spread of swine flu viruses in the United States. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and by the way, swine flu is a bit of a misnomer. <laughs> it's just, it's not necessarily always a pig flu, but yeah, I got you. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So truckers are, are susceptible to zoonoses. Mm -hmm. Um which yeah, is that, not, that's, that's not a risk animal, I had animal. previously thought. <laughs> yeah, a zoonosis is not infection of a zoo. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's anything that can travel from an animal to a human. Yeah. No, but that, that makes sense, Josh. It makes a ton of sense, actually. So we're going to just do a kind of a quick, a quick and dirty. Here are some of the medical conditions that truckers are screened for, that they are subject to, and things that can disqualify them based on what I have learned from just, you know, a deep dive into the shallow end of the internet. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think it's it might be fair to say, I think we looked around a little bit. I know you did for sure. This might be one of the most in-depth trucker doc like sources of information that anyone can find outside of you know medical textbooks. So <laughs> the most common medications, which as we said is the biggest issue that can sideline a trucker, are medications like benzodiazepines so anything sedating um mm -hmm. now that could be clonopin or it could be xanax things that help with anxiety as well as the more traditional narcotics like norco or oxycodone or tramadol mm -hmm. while overall any benzodiazepine is considered to be disqualifying there are some extremely rare instances if a driver has been taking some of, say, anti-anxiety medication for years without sedating side effects. And more importantly, there is a real risk of dangerous withdrawal symptoms. The driver still might be certified to drive with the decision left to the medical examiner and input from the prescribing physician. Yeah, and this is the cool part right here. There are, you know, physicians, medical examiners that are dedicated to these certifying physicals. <laughs> I love it. A lot of them work for the Department of Transportation or the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration rather than individual trucking companies. But there are one or two highways and byways across these great United States where there are clinics set up specifically for truckers. Now, narcotics are not actually outright disqualifying, whereas most benzodiazepines are but they are much more heavily scrutinized. So if a driver's certified and they can be certified to drive for six months, a year or longer, but if they're certified, the driver cannot use any short acting narcotic within eight hours of driving or any other safety sensitive task or 12 hours if using a long acting narcotic. So if you have a lot of say low back pain, which is my guess would be one of the most common trucking, we'll say, 
associated conditions or injuries, and you need to take pain medication for it, you can't drive for at least eight hours after taking that medication. Okay. And this is probably kind of in parallel. I, I, I know we didn't look it up for this, but it probably is something like what a person who is doing construction work, right? With heavy equipment, same kind of rules. Sorry, listening audience. This is not one of my usually thoroughly extensively researched episodes because there just really isn't a lot of information out there. Uh, and I did more than a casual glance. You really, you did some good digging. So let's talk about some of the changes that have been made to prescription medications that are permitted. The smoking cessation drug Chantix is no longer banned. Uh, it okay. was at one point because it was felt to be too sedating, but right, right. the yeah. overall formulation and preparation has changed sufficiently that it is no longer uh, guilty of such, and now you can be on it, as well as short-acting anxiety relievers like Lunesta and Ambien are not disqualifying as long as you're specifically using the short-acting preparation. And of course, the driver has to leave enough time for any medication to clear their system before driving, which means most truckers have to be at least somewhat well aware of the half-life of the drugs they are taking, even if they don't think of it in those terms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we use these these terms like half-life, which are is kind of borrowed from radiation. So basically, how long does it take for 50% of whatever drug you're taking to be metabolized and out of your system or no longer active? And then half of that and half of that and half of that. We say by about five half-lives, the medication is completely gone. So there's 95 plus percent of it is out of your system and the effect should be gone. But yeah, they're not going to use that term. But a, a more general term is how long does the effect last? Yeah. So while it's common to associate impaired driving with driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol, there's actually another form of impaired driving just as dangerous that has nothing to do with illicit substances at all. And it's called drowsy driving. So, and this is something, you know, lots of us are potentially subject to, but we're also not on the road for days at a time or, you know, 10 hours of driving unless you were like me and taking cross country road trips because you just enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I will say, Josh, that everybody who is a medical professional, especially if they went through medical school um, in the nineties, two thousands, anytime before really good work hours were put in, right. We're all really familiar with drowsy driving, right. After doing a 36 hour shift or something like that, trying to caffeinate up and get in your car just to get home so you can get some sleep. Um, it is extremely dangerous and not, there, there have been more than a few young medical students and stuff that have gotten hurt in car accidents, et cetera, because of drowsy driving. One unfortunate death uh, a while back that actually led to our modern work hour rules. So not too far, you know, truckers and docks, not too far apart there. So Santosh, if you had to pick one medical condition more than any other that automatically disqualifies drivers from driving, that drive mm. that automatically disqualifies truck drivers to the point that it is enough of a concern in the industry that some of them will fake medical reports or avoid testing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Where would you go? What are you thinking? <laughs> I, I'm assuming this isn't something like, you know, uh, total body paralysis, like quadriplegia. <laughs> or if you're a quadruple, you know, amputee or anything like this, like, you know, or, you know, you're, if you have any kind of, uh, birth defects where you don't have any arms or legs, like that kind of a thing, I'm guessing it's, it's the, like that. No, would be no, 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 <laughs> no, this is, this is a fairly common medical condition, although not one okay. you or I traditionally deal with in a hospital setting, but in an no. outpatient setting. Um, oh, okay. So let me run through these. So pretty common. So uh, 
diabetes, high blood pressure, um, obesity, something like that. Like, you know, if, if you have uncontrolled what we used to call like, you know, metabolic sex syndrome or something like that. Well, sure. Diabetes used to be a disqualifying condition, although it no oh. longer is with the more uh, easily accessible, if still pricey, access to insulin. Well, oh, <laughs> I would have thought, I mean, well, because diabetes is so prevalent, Josh, in our, in our uh, you know, uh, culture and, and, and everything else, I would have thought that that would have not been disqualifying unless it was like completely uncontrolled. Like you, you have to check in every now and again to get a certification that your A1C is okay and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, more that if you go hypoglycemic on the road and you're an insulin user uh, oh. and you're driving a truck, yeah. a big old truck, a big old rig, gotcha. a Mack oh, truck, uh, a Mack truck, gotcha. a semi, whatever it's called <laughs> in your part of the country. Yeah. Okay. So that, that makes a ton of sense. So you we can't say that you're able to drive if all of a sudden you're at high risk for plunging your uh, blood sugar out of nowhere and then you pass out you you know you're you're unable to so i guess this would be the same josh for anything where you could pass out like this so i i don't know like seizures narcolepsy well, yeah, epilepsy or other conditions that result in a loss of consciousness. So FMCSA regulations do prohibit a person with epilepsy from operating a vehicle across state boundaries. So you can still drive within state short haul, but you can't go cross state long haul. However, yeah. drivers who can show their seizures are under control may be eligible to submit an application for a seizure exemption which oh, is a fascinating okay. phrase to have in yeah. your contract. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm guessing you'd have to really prove that, uh, you know, you're taking your meds regularly, et cetera, et cetera. And that your seizures are in good control. You can't have had a seizure for a year. Oh, well, that's, that's very, very, at fair. least, um, at least a year. Going across state lines though, is a little, because this is the United States, right? So like, you know, like not crossing state lines in Rhode Island is very different from not crossing state lines in Texas. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same thing everywhere. <laughs> but but no, keep keep guessing. Much more common than epilepsy or seizure disorders. Okay. Um uh let's see. Uh uh, so we so we said diabetes, hypertension, um, stroke, heart attack. Like if you're having unstable angina or something, or well, that's an example of a condition that's disqualifying until resolved. So okay. if you're having angina, you certainly don't want a heart attack on the road. So you do have to see sure. a cardiologist. Um, yeah, and if you have reduced, and that may involve getting something as simple as a exercise stress test that gives an idea of your risk of heart attack by examining blood flow through the vessels, meaning okay, how much blood flow when you're really working that heart is getting. Because if it's too low, you're at risk for low blood flow, which is essentially what a heart attack is. If something right, right. like that comes back positive, uh, meaning your heart does show that it is having decreased blood flow, then the next step may often be to undergo an angiogram where a camera is put into your vessels, threaded mm -hmm. up toward your heart, and used to look for blockages that could be responsible for that blood flow. If those blockages are cleared, then you can go back to driving. Uh, oh, things like a wow. stent could be put in, or you could, or you may not have any blockages. You may just have overall narrow vessels, and there are medications that can help to lower your blood pressure and widen those vessels. And again, so these are ones that can put a temporary hold but okay. not necessarily disqualify you. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and by the way, everything that you said sounds exactly like what anyone would go through in order to relieve angina or recurrent chest pain, you know, due to uh, your heart being starved, starved of oxygen. So that all of that makes just a ton of sense to me. Um, and, you know, hope everybody passes their test and because I wish good health on everybody. 
Um, uh, you said not narcolepsy or seizure disorder, something like that, though. Something, something. You know, like narcolepsy. Passable? Narcolepsy didn't quite come up, but you're not terribly, terribly far off. Uh, sleeping. I'm talking about sleep oh, yeah. apnea. Oh, 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 god. Okay, so I was, I was going way too arcane and weird, but I was all right. I hope I was in on the right, like ballpark. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> Santosh, when you hear yeah. hoofbeats, think horses. <laughs> Not zebras. You're asking an infectious disease doctor <laughs> to try to stick with common presentation, uh, common diseases. So while <laughs> federal, while federal regulations do not require commercial vehicle drivers to complete and pass a sleep apnea exam for DOT certification, meaning if you're applying to be a trucker. It's not just an automatic sleep apnea test to determine. The federal trucking guidelines do... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Require all medical examiners to apply a pulmonary standard that enables them to determine if a condition like sleep apnea could interfere. So they gotcha. look for any deformities likely to interfere with breathing or swallowing. One of the ways... Now, do you recall something called the Malampati score? Oh, dear, no. I'm so sorry. And because if this is anything to do with sleep apnea, especially like the obstructive type of sleep apnea that's from overweight, etc., um, I thankfully in pediatrics, we don't have to deal with that a lot, but it, it might be coming soon. <laughs> so the Malampati score is one assessment to describe the size of the base of the tongue compared to the mouth to predict, oh. to predict a difficult airway. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So this isn't, um, this is any type of obstructive sleep apnea it's not just from obesity or something this is even if you have like tonsils adenoid big tongue like uh, like an anatomic reason to be having sleep apnea. okay got it. Okay. so so this is this is this is like a ratio so this is you know kind of like how we say like hip to waist ratio or something like that so cool. so seshagiri rao malampati is an Indian okay. anesthesiologist. Yay! Okay, gotcha. Who proposed the score in 1985 as a okay. non-invasive method to look at the ease of endotracheal intubation. Oh, so, okay. So if you wander over to a mirror, open your mouth nice and wide, and say, ah. <laughs> okay. Ah. Uh, 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 yeah, okay. <laughs> there are four four different classes. Class 1, you can completely see your soft palate. So you okay. get to see all the mouth structures. Um okay. Class 2, you don't see all of the soft palate, but you can still see the uvula, the little dangly bit. The dangly Okay, yes, yeah, so the hangy ball. Yeah. Right. Uh, class three, you can only see what they call the base of the uvula, meaning the very top of it, the thickest part. Yeah, base we usually think of the bottom, but here we're talking about because it's upside down. Yeah, so. Well, if you're if you're an anesthesiologist, you're leaning over somebody oh, from the top. True. <laughs> that's true. 
That's true. <laughs> to an anesthesiologist, everything is upside <laughs> Everything's inverted. Okay, and class four, okay. the soft palate is not visible at all. No uvula, nothing. It's just, you know, nothing but tongue. And, and this is what we dread in an emergency situation. If you see that kind of an airway, um, you know, whether it's just normal, like that's how the person's anatomy is, or because something bad is happening, like they're in anaphylaxis and the tongue is swollen and edematous. Um, this is one where, oh my gosh, we're, we're in bad, bad shape and we have to do something oftentimes like a tracheostomy, you know, to, to actually, or a tracheotomy, sorry, and, and actually cut a hole to put the breathing tube through. So the, the less visible the structures, the higher the score, and scores of three or four are associated with sleep apnea. Okay. Gotcha. I'm gotcha. not an outpatient doc, so maybe maybe <laughs> you GPs out there in the world are like, yeah, duh. Like, we yeah. a potty without even thinking about it. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I, 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 <laughs> I, is this validated then, Josh? Is it, a, you know, is it a pretty solid bet that if you score the patient, then it is a, it's a really tight correlation with sleep apnea? Or is it like a contributing risk factor? Do you know? So this is more the, the articles I found were from Stat Pearls about okay. this. And it's more meant to look at difficult ventilation and intubation. So if you do have a narrow airway, you're certainly more likely to suffer from sleep apnea along if you have things like obesity. Right. <laughs> but this is so cool. Okay, so they have to undergo some sort of evaluation then for sleep apnea, or if it comes up, I'm guessing on a standardized questionnaire or something like this. Um, then they have to be evaluated, I'm guessing, to make sure that they're, they're getting proper sleep when they do get mandated rest. And so that when they're up and driving, they're not suffering from, you know, fatigue because they're not getting enough sleep at night because of the apnea and, or they, you know, scarily enough, like if they die on the road, because you know they're sleeped in in cramped quarters or something like that, and you know they stop breathing in their sleep, which is scary. So, just a a diagnosis of sleep apnea can disqualify you from driving. Uh, yes. So, okay, a lot it. of them will go to medical centers, and you have to have it treated for, I believe, at least six months to a year which means you're losing almost a year's worth of work on your on your certification to prove. And, you know, wearing a sleep apnea device for eight hours at a time may not be possible if you're driving for a 10-hour day. Oh, right. So you're talking about a, a, a CPAP uh, machine that kind of blows air down your throat while you're sleeping, um, or sometimes even when you're awake, in order to keep the airway open. Yeah, so if you have well-known and treated sleep apnea, you can still pass the DOT physical, Department of Transportation physical. But if it's okay. newly diagnosed, you can't. So, for example, if you're diagnosed with moderate to severe sleep apnea, you are considered unsafe for driving a commercial motor vehicle and you will lose your certified driver's license, uh, which you can then reapply for once it is treated and under control. Okay, gotcha. Just like the diabetes, hypertension, heart conditions like we talked about before. Um, again, Josh, as when you talked about, you know, uh, chest pain, angina, and, you know, getting a good heart workup, uh, maybe even getting an angioplasty and a stent. Um, I think this type of workup for sleep apnea is it, it should be for everybody. You know, if you care for yourself and you actually treat your sleep apnea, you lose weight, you use your CPAP at night if you, you know, if you can, and, and you get rid of that horrible snoring, that <sighs> at night like that, you actually reduce your chances of stroke by about 20%. So I think that's good advice for everybody. If you, if you or someone you know has horrible choking you know, snoring at night, get them checked out for sleep apnea and, and save a life. Now, in order to be compliant and re 
for in order to be compliant with sleep apnea treatment to achieve this passing grade on your test, you have to demonstrate that you are using CPAP therapy for an average of four hours each night for a minimum of 70% of the nights. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, what is that? Uh, like maybe um, four, five out of seven days, I guess. So the work week, something like that. Yeah. Now yeah. there's device, devices today are pretty clever. They can actually determine if you do wear the mask or you just turn the machine on, but don't wear it. Yeah, it's pretty hard to fake too, because it cycles in terms of the amount of pressure that it pushes because it's got a beautiful uh, sensor array um, to sense the amount of pressure as you're trying to breathe in and then breathing out to coordinate the airflow. And so if that cycle isn't going on, it'll know that you it's just, you know, blowing air. So, and you know, it's for your health too. So please don't try and fake it. That's not it. Yeah, so that that was one of the ones I'm like, I didn't realize that was such a going concern. But then it got me into looking into what else is considered disqualifying. And all of these can be overcome with treatment, at least from an employment standpoint. Sure. Meaning they won't necessarily be cured, but they can be well controlled and managed. Huh? Yep, absolutely. So we, yeah. we already talked about epilepsy. We talked about angina. Uh, one of the other ones I think that you may not have considered, any inner ear disorders or diseases oh. that cause vertigo or balance issues. So when you were yes. bringing up stroke, sure, but even something as, as common or as vertigo or many years disease, which affect the inner ear, mm -hmm. yep. because it's unpredictable. It, it can come on at any time and triggers include overwork, fatigue smoking and too much salt in the diet which sounds like just a description of trucking in general <laughs> it, it is <laughs> it's a bad stereotype right poor diet smoking and then driving the rig and that kind of a thing but hopefully especially with recognition of medical conditions and knowing that you know these are important valuable people in our community i i hope that healthcare and good health type of recognition is, you know, over the last couple of decades, I hope it's been getting better and that, you know, not every truck conforms to that kind of a stereotype. Not every trucker does. I, 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 I hold out hope. Well, <laughs> overwork and, and salty diet and roadside diners. Sure. Sure. Uh, That's fair. And of course, Vision or hearing loss, drivers have to be able to demonstrate at least 20, 40 vision in each eye and both eyes together with or without corrective lenses. Otherwise, they're disqualified. Now, there are vision exemptions where you have to be able to have good peripheral vision because, you know, you don't want to run other cars off the road. Sure. And you also have to be able to recognize the colors of traffic signals and devices with the standard red, green, and amber colors. I like oh. that they call it amber instead of yellow. Yeah. <laughs> instead of yellow, which it, it sometimes is. It's that kind of amber hue rather than a yellow. Okay, so some types of red, green, extreme, especially extreme red, green color blindness is Noah's bueno. Sorry. So, and what does it mean to have a score of 20, 40? Well, that means that when you're looking at the eye chart, you know, all those pyramids of individual letters, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that means that when you are 20 feet away, you're seeing the chart as clearly at 20 feet away as somebody who has normal vision, so to speak, would see from 40 feet away. Right. So you're, you're in this case, a little bit nearsighted. So that you can read the line that says 2040, which is a little bit bigger than the 2020 line. Um, yeah. So and that's not, you know, that's not bad vision at all. Pretty easily correctable by wearing your contacts or your glasses. Yeah. So why 2040 for truckers? Well, I'm guessing. Uh, so 2040 is good enough where I'm guessing if your glasses fall off or your contact pops out or something, you can still see well enough in daylight, especially, that you can still navigate your truck 
at least, you know, to the next shoulder or rest stop or something um, so that you can stop and correct your vision again. And that you won't go so blurry if you're, you know, your vision aids fall out or something you won't go so blurry that you just see a giant smear <laughs> yeah you know objects yeah. in mirror have to be yeah. close enough to appear to you so you yes. can see upcoming uh so if you're going to start say engine braking or going around a tight curve you need mm -hmm. enough reaction time from at least say 40 feet away to start braking downgrading signaling or the like so it is chosen in line with traffic uh traffic signposts okay okay so um the speed at which you're going by and the basically the size font that you're seeing seeing on any sign okay so it, it actually was something that was considered you know so if you're driving between 2040 and 2070 you may have an issue but 2040 is enough time to accommodate reactions when managing a big rig yeah okay for hearing you have two tests, uh, a forced whisper and an audiometry test. So uh -huh. if you pass <laughs> the first test, the forced whisper, not a careless whisper, <laughs> careless whisper. Uh, no, yeah. but uh, if you pass, oh, you, you want to tell them what actually, a forced whisper? <laughs> you don't actually have someone whispering in your ear. You put on the fancy headphones inside of a, you know, an audio testing, um, you know, it, it it's actually looks like a little audio recording box that you step into an an acoustic box and you put on your headphones and you hear people saying words at about this tone so what they'll the, the that that's a forced whisper where you force you know you're not super whispering you're just you know but so you'll have recorded forced whispers said to you and you usually have to you have to repeat the word that you hear to confirm to the audiologist that you heard the the correct word clearly and crisply. So the forced whisper you have to hear in one ear, your better ear, at a distance of five feet with or without a hearing aid. Yeah. If they cannot pass the forced whisper test, you can then take an audiometry test, which is the tones where it says, you know, can Raise your hands when you hear the beep. Beep, yeah, exactly. And they are at different pitches and at different volumes. Now, if you can pass an audiometry test, you can still be certified. But if you fail both forced whisper and audiometry, that will make your hearing loss a dot disqualifying medical condition. Yeah, yeah. You keep saying dot. I don't know many people that say dot. That's like D-O-T. They'll say D-O-T. I'm just saying. Department of well, dot dot dot. <laughs> okay, any truckers out there? You know, I, I'm sure you guys say Department of Transportation a lot. Let us know if you say dot like a acronym, or if you just say like D O T, like you you sound out the letters. Oh, and also if if we're missing any medical conditions that you suffer from, like a uh, trucker butt, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Josh, how much of your like internet cookies and cash did you have to delete after that came up on your search history? <laughs> Santosh, I never delete my cookies and cash. <laughs> Not even your Johnny Cash? I my, never my Johnny Cash. My internet, my internet tab browsing is just a hoarder's dream. <laughs> Digital junk that I may find a use for this article someday. Yeah, yeah. And you may or may not be on several surveillance lists. Not for you doing anything wrong, but just, you know, weird CIA operatives going, what the hell? <laughs> just what? What is he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the last one we're going to talk about is the one that I was like, Wow, high blood pressure, that alone can disqualify you because oh, okay. we do have, you know, we of course set different levels as what's considered high blood pressure. And I'm sure in pediatrics, it remains different than what it is for the elderly, than what it is for the middle-aged. 
But there are targets that you cannot have if you are going to be driving a commercial vehicle. So in this case, we're going to say there are three different stages of what is considered high blood pressure. Okay. And the Department of Transportation still is working with sort of the older definition of a normal blood pressure of 120 over 80 across the board. Oh, so, okay. I, I thought that the latest recommendations for normal had been 120 over 70. It had been changed in a bit, but I, I'm not up to date on. Um, yeah. So stage um, one hypertension is considered anything with the top number 130 to 139 or the bottom number 80 to 89. Now, okay. blood pressure systolic is the top number systolic is how much pressure your blood is when the heart squeezes. So you squeeze the heart and blood shoots out. And if you mm -hmm. were to place a little thermometer or a little a little barometer at the exit of the heart to see what force is your blood throwing is your heart throwing blood out. Yeah, and so it is kind of the maximal arterial pressure, the kind of peak that you reach. And so that phase of your heartbeat is actually called systole. Uh, and then when the ventricles relax and fill up with blood, then you reach a, you, you still have to have some pressure, right? So that the blood doesn't suddenly drop to your legs, right? You still, you still have to have some back pressure so that blood flows into the coronary arteries in your heart and up into your brain. So you have a, you know, lowest blood pressure. And just on the by and by, everything is usually measured in a artery, uh, usually in your arm, at the level of your heart when you're sitting up. So right about there. So that's, that's systole, squeeze, diastole, heart relaxes. So those are the two different numbers you're looking at. So 130 to 139 over 80 to 89 is considered mild hypertension. A little high. Huh? Sure. Maybe eat at a few less diners, drive-ins, and dives. Stage <laughs> two, 140 or higher systolic, and 90 or higher diastolic, you're probably going to need more than just lifestyle changes. Uh, you'll need some kind of medication if you are sustaining that because that kind of pressure is going to start increasing your risk for heart disease down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Stage. And, but, and I think again, Josh, this is good advice for anybody, not just truckers, but we're disqualifying truckers because we don't want them to have a sudden heart attack or stroke like on the road. So that one, you can be certified to drive for at least six months, but you know, you better you get it. your, you get you your act together. Gotta, gotta uh, take care of it. Okay. Stage three is higher than 180 systolic or higher than 120 diastolic. In the hospital, we call that hypertensive urgency, and it requires immediate medical attention. Once okay. you've hit stage three, that is a Department of Transportation disqualifying medical condition. So you cannot drive again for at least six months until you get the pressure down to stage two, 140 over 90. Oh, okay, gotcha. So there's a time limit on how long you can live with that blood pressure. Okay. Right. So you can be certified at six months, six month intervals for stage two. You cannot drive at stage three. And if you can get your pressure down to stage one or lower and you're off all medications, the medical examiner can grant certification for up to two years. So you can drive for two years without having a medical exam, but you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So uh, that and that's pretty much it. Beyond that, it's no different than the regular physical that, you know, you or I may be getting or anyone else in any kind of job. But those are some of the specifics to long haul or medium haul or even short haul trucking. This is so cool. Very neat. And, you know, the, the very broadly, I think this is excellent health advice for anybody. But it is so cool that we have, I think, fairly conscientious and I think pretty good practical guidelines for the health of the truckers, as well as kind of the safety, their safety and the safety of everybody else on the road, principally thinking about 
you know, if a person is there behind the wheel of a massive, you know, super fast moving hunk of plastic and steel, that the person back there is as safe and protected as possible so that they don't hurt themselves or, you know, anybody else on the road. Yeah. So that's it for this week. Hopefully you were interested enough to continue reading on your own. And we'll, you know, as always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. If you are a trucker, please let us know if there's anything important we missed or mm -hmm. just say hi. <laughs> yeah and you know cheers to all you guys thank you for all the hard work that you do um i really do hope that you know work uh is helping you out and that you know that that your companies and everybody else are taking good care of you and encouraging exercise and good eating and plenty of sleep because you all deserve it just about you know just as much as anybody else so Stay big safe. big ups to our drivers on uh -huh. ups fedex amazon <laughs> target like really any any way that stuff gets from point a to point b we appreciate you because let's face it we could not do it Sorry. as always we love to hear your comments questions and feedback if you'd like to support us spiritually emotionally or financially links to do that are in the show notes along with links for further reading the show is produced by me with a lot of help from dr santosh and friends and until next time as always, keep a song in your heart, soap on your hands, a shot in your arm, and uh, hey, keep on trucking. And until <laughs> next time, happy travels. Breaker, breaker. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.